Hello, and welcome to Core Women. My name is Dr. Summer Watson, and I'm the founder of Core Women, and I'm also an empowerment strategist for women. So if you're listening to this podcast to delve more into empowerment strategies, well, you're here for the right reason. However, Core Women was also developed because it's a special place that provides a unique idea of home for the hearts and souls of women. It's a place for us to share our strength, energy, wisdom, and authenticity. It's a place for women to find support and strategic empowerment ideas that will help support their lives. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Juliette Lamar, who is a producer, director, on personality, and artist. She is the creator of the show Life Reflected, which strives to show the limitless possibilities of human growth and kindness. Let's get right into talking about your exciting journey, Juliette, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very excited to be here. Absolutely. So, Juliet, let's tell the listeners about yourself and a bit about your journey as a journalist, storyteller, producer, director, traveler, and caregiver. I mean, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's just try and get yeah. because you have so much to, to talk about. I do, and uh, and I think it's becoming more of the norm. You know, a lot of people uh, are like, wow, you do a lot of things, and I say, well, I think that's the norm for for people of my age group, right? Like I'm early 30s, and people have to live this life of slashes, right? Like, well, I'm a I'm a producer and slash director slash this because you have such accessibility to to information and to resources that it's a really exciting age to be in because you can explore these different areas uh, of whatever career field you're in. I happen to be in entertainment, um, but you have these these opportunities, and I think that's so cool. It can get mind-boggling at times, um, like, what am I doing today, or what does this project have to do? Um, but also, it's really, I'm, I'm always searching to understand everything in life. Um, I'm just extremely curious, so being able to explore all those different uh, avenues in my field is something I really, really enjoy. Well, that's awesome. Well, okay, so I was looking on Instagram, and what really stood out is that you talked about a part of your life journey, which was about your mom. And about getting married, and it really just kind of, it stood out to me, and I had to reach out to you. So why don't you talk about that post? Why don't you talk about that part of your journey? Yes. So I was, um, you know, growing up, I'm an only child. Um, I was always kind of an entrepreneur-ish. I was a Olympic-level gymnast, and I won nationals in 2004, so I'm used to hard work. I'm used to really just working really hard at everything. Um, and doing and doing well. So uh, in 2015, well, yeah, 2014, I got married, and what, uh, we went to our honeymoon uh, in Thailand. And we're in Thailand for about three weeks, and we're sitting by the pool uh, at this resort. And I get a phone call um, that my mother has just had a brain aneurysm, and it was. Life changing, you know. I'm in the, the height of my career. I'm in the, you know, I just got married. I'm on my honeymoon. I'm just having the best time, and I'm hit, sideswiped by by this news. Um, and it hit me very hard because my grandfather died of an aneurysm. Um, I never knew him. He died when my mother was eight. So yeah. to me, when I hear the word aneurysm, I think death. Like there's no to me. I don't. I, don't, I just think you die. Um, so all I heard was, you know, basically my mother was dead. And you know, I totally just went into a different headspace. Like my husband had to get us tickets to fly home immediately. And my parents, I'm from Sedona, Arizona, originally. Um, and I live in LA. 
but my parents were visiting Virginia at the time when she had the aneurysm. So I had to fly from Thailand all the way, like, you know, hopping across the pond back to LA and then all the way back to Virginia um, to be by her side. It took me two days of travel uh, for that last minute travel to get to her. Wow. And thank goodness you did, you know, so let's go on with the story because there is somewhat of a happy ending here. <laughs> I mean, there is, there is. So, um, so yeah, you know, I travel, I travel all that way. Um, it's two days, you know, and when I arrive at the airport in Virginia, I don't know if she's alive or dead because I've been traveling, you know, I'm just hopping on plane and plane and I don't have any contact with anybody. So I, you know, I really just enter the hospital room wondering, is she alive? Is she, you know, what is going to happen? Um, she, she survived and then she had to have several different brain surgeries. She had to have craniotomy, which, you know, they have to open up your skull, which is quite, quite, uh, quite a big procedure. Absolutely. And, uh, and she starts, yeah, and she starts to recover. Um, about two months later, uh, just because of, you know, the medical industry, you really have to be your own advocate. Um, there, I won't go into all the things, but there's so many different things that went wrong with her care that were because of errors, uh, human errors, certain different kinds of things. Um, but yeah, so then she fell <laughs> two months into her recovery. She fell and hit her head. And it was, it was like it happened all over again. I had just flown back to California. I had been here like a week. Uh, and then I get this phone call that she's fallen and hit, hit her head and that she's now in a coma. And it was like the, the whole horrible nightmare was happening all over again. Um, I flew back immediately again. And this time it wasn't like I came in and, oh, she's alive and she's awake and it's okay. This time, like, I came in and she was in a coma. And she was in a coma for about three or four weeks. And then she, we had the conversation with palliative care about, you know, do you want to pull the plug? She's, you know, she's not going to recover. She's probably just going to be in the coma forever. And, you know, we took a long time to decide that. They were rushing us a little bit, like, you got to make this decision. But my dad and I put our foot down and we took our time. And we said, no, we have to, we really have to think this through. And uh, we ultimately decided you know, my mom's a fighter and we're going to give her a chance and we know what kind of people we are. We, we jump in with both feet. So, you know, after months and months of care, um, you know, she made a very slow recovery. This was all back in 2015. Wow. And through all the ups and downs of the recovery, you know, she slowly started to wake up from the coma very slowly. And then she slowly started to be able to talk, but you know, it took two years for her to even know who I was. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just amazing that you and your father just hung in there and you made this decision. And what I like about your story, and one of the things that I read too, is the surgeon, I think that you consulted, had said, you know, I wouldn't have done surgery if I didn't think there was a chance. Is that correct? Absolutely. Right. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Which was gave you some like glimmer of light and of hope. And so, you know, did that help you make the decision, you and your father make the decision to, you know, continue on with the process of helping her recover? Yes. And I think it's super important when you're going through something that's traumatic, you know, in your family or with yourself, um, is that you're going to get a lot of conflicting information. And so we had the trauma doctors telling us she's never going to be waking up from the coma. And if she does, she's going to be in a vegetative state or she's going to be very heavily handicapped. And that was, that was some other surgeons that were some surgeons telling us. Then the neurosurgeon, he was the one, uh, and I'll forever be grateful to him. And he said, you know, I, and, and he was, he was the one to operate on her the first time. So when she came in the second time, he already knew her and he knew what had happened in her brain. Gotcha. And so he was the one that said, you know, I wouldn't have operated again if I thought there wasn't hope. And 
we really had to weigh those different decisions because we're getting conflicting information. Um, so we decided to listen to the neurosurgeon and not the trauma surgeons because they're trauma surgeons and they're really good at trauma, um, but they're not, not, maybe not necessarily as good at the outcome of, of neurology, right, or neuroscience. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, that was, that was pretty much the deciding factor for my dad because I know he, he was very much like, Nancy does not want to live you know, in a hospital her whole life. She's never been that way. We're very, they're very active. My parents are very, very healthy and I've never been in hospitals or anything. Don't even take medication before all this. So wow. he knew she did not want to live that life. And I didn't want that life for her either. Um, but yeah, and we, so once we decided that we weren't going to pull the plug, we realized that this was now going to be a full-time operation with her. So yeah, for the last four years, um, coming up on four years, we have been caretaking her and it's every day, you know, she was denied physical therapy because they said, well, she's not getting better. She was denied speech therapy and occupational therapy. And, and instead of saying, oh, okay, well, I guess the doctors know best. I said, all right, what am I allowed to do? And like, what will not hurt her in this room? And right. they would tell me different, different guidelines. And I'd say, okay, great. I'm going to do my own physical therapy with her. And I would look up physical therapy. I'm going to do my own occupational therapy. And my dad would be in there doing massage therapy. Um, which he doesn't know how to do, but he looked it up. He's like, I'm going to do massage therapy on her. Um, my husband uh, was, was fantastic, and he was, he was a part of our team the whole time, uh, super supportive. And he would go in there and you know, play, play card games with her or do math or just talk to her. And it was like a group effort to really bring her back. And now, um, so happy ending, because I get to it, is, uh, yeah, so she lives here in California with us, but she's going to be living independently um, quite soon with my dad. They're going to move out here to California. But she's probably made, like her memory is still kind of bad. But if you don't know her, you wouldn't know if something was off. So the only reason I know is because I, I know her. <laughs> right. Well, that is yeah. amazing. Your mother's strength as well mm -hmm. as your strength and fortitude with all of this is amazing. And I'm so glad that there was a happy ending. So how did this help develop, you know, further develop your career? So... At first, you know, it was very depressing. Not only have I basically lost my mother, because for about three years, she really wasn't my mom. You know, she was right. a, a neuropatient. And, uh, and the role reversal was, was very real. My dad had to deal with losing a partner. So his journey was different. Um, and I really had to take, take an entire step out of my life, like from, from my career to my husband. It was almost like I had to be a full-time caregiver. And at first, you start getting a lot of resentment. You know, I'm going to be very real with you guys. It, it's like, wow, this happened to me. Why did this happen to me? And you get those negative thoughts. You get those negative feelings um, and you start brooding that resentment. And I thought, you know what? I'm a storyteller. This is a great story, but my mom's story is fantastic just by itself. But the other people that helped us, so like she takes the bus to her um, college courses. She's going back to school. And that bus driver, you know, he'll wait on her or he'll help her. Um, you know, the nurses that were nice to her changed everything for us. Um, you know, the people at the grocery store who now know her and help her with things. It's these everyday people in our life that really make a difference. When you think about your life, you're like, who really makes a difference in my day to day? Is it Kim Kardashian? Is it the movie stars? No, it's the people that you see and interact with. It's the teachers, the, the police officers, the people in your community. And I thought these are the stories that need to be told. And, uh, and I have to tell them. They were just about to bubble over inside of me. So I started a show called Life Reflected. And at first I was like, okay, I'm going to write it and pitch it and maybe try to get funding for it. And I thought, no, you know what? I have, I have a phone. I have camera access. I know how to edit. I know how to produce. I know how to drive. I'm just going to do it. So 
I just did it and I made a first season. Um, you can find that uh, reflected.life, but it's life reflected. It's on YouTube. Um, the first season is great quality content, uh, but then I'm shooting it on my phone. So it's a little bit more like documentary style. Right. And I really just create, create these mini documentaries that revolve around people's lives and people that are changing the world for the better who you might not know about. You know, they're your neighbors and, and you should, they should be recognized. I, I love this. I love this concept. I love what you're doing. I love, you know, that your journey kind of parlayed into this whole idea of documentaries about everyday people because you're absolutely right. It isn't necessarily that glamorous person or this influence. It's, it's these everyday people that influence your life, that make an impact, that are doing amazing things like that bus driver it's so important because that bus driver helps your mom get to college. Your mom's able to go to college now. And that's amazing, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And if she didn't have that bus driver, she can't drive. I'm not going to let her drive yet. Maybe in a couple of years. Um, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but he's, he's providing such a service and I want him to know that, you know, I want right. people to, to be proud of what they do. And I think that in a lot of times in our society, because we have access to, I'm not trying to badmouth Instagram or anything, but, you know, we have access to all these, um, quote unquote can be false or you know the highlight reel of people's lives so we we have a more of a tendency to feel bad about what we're doing right. and that's just so false you know um, you need to be celebrated because what you're doing is good the small little things you do matter everything you do matters right and uh, just being a bus driver people say well yeah I'm just a bus driver like what what is that well, that's life-changing for not just my mom, but many people who can't drive for whatever reason. Right. Um, and we're just using the bus driver example, but there's so many other people out there where they think their job is not important, but it's actually life-changing. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, I do have an example of that. So I, I've worked in hospitals over the years as a clinician, you know, doing the whole psych thing um, as a, a PhD in psychology. And I would run certain departments like the triage or assessment department and people would be like, oh, geez, our job is so important. Or, you know, a doctor's job is so important. And yes, they are. But you know what? The custodial person's job is just as important. The, you know, the person that takes the sharks away is just as important. Because if that hospital wasn't clean, we wouldn't have a job. So I always say everybody's job, everybody is significant, you know, and we have to recognize that. Totally. I, everything is, we're all a team. Like there is right. no, like humans, we are community creatures. We are not lone, lone creatures. We are, we thrive on community and you cannot do things alone. You're not going to be able to accomplish anything by yourself. You have to have a team. And that's, that team is made up of hundreds and hundreds of people that you might not even recognize. Absolutely. And such wise words. Now, question, in relation to your personal strategy, what is one thing that has helped you support your goals? Absolutely. So this has been my quote. <laughs> I love quotes, but I, uh, I don't know where this confidence comes from. I've always had confidence um, since a little kid, and I'm sure it's been instilled because of my parents and, and all of that. But um, in everything I do, you know, whether it's you know, trying to pitch a new show or write something or caretake my mom, you know, and someone's telling me that she can't get physical therapy, I say, okay, I'll do it is 
you have to have confidence in your ability and then be tough enough to follow through because it's not just enough to be like, I can do it. I got this. I got this. And just repeat that to yourself until you get right. there. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I can't do it. Right. You have to have uh, confidence in your ability and then be tough enough to follow through with your dreams and just Absolutely. know that you can do it and just think, hey, if I, if I fail, that's awesome because I did. You know, I tried. Right. I went for it. And I know it's cliche to say, but I think that that's really a true statement. And I just keep telling myself, hey, I'm fearless because whatever I'm doing is going to lead me to my ultimate goal. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I always say that failure really isn't failure. Failures are something that we absolutely learn from almost more than our successes because there's a lesson learned in being able to adapt, being able to overcome. And my next question for you was, what major challenge have you overcome? What is one of those challenges that you absolutely said, yes, I did this. I've overcome this. Hmm, there's so many. <laughs> um, let's see. I see. Something I overcame. Well, as a gymnast, I had to overcome fear a lot of like bodily injury or messing up. Um, so that was like a daily struggle. Um, you know, anytime I go into an audition, I think that it's just human. I also think that that's something that's interesting that, that I try to embrace is, you know, when you're doing something new for me, whether it's like an audition or a pitch or whatever, you get nervous and you have so much self-doubt and people don't like to talk about it, but everyone gets self-doubt. Even if you've done it a hundred, a hundred times, you're still going to have self-doubt. So you've got to go in there and say, hey, everyone else has self-doubt too. We're all feeling the same thing. We're all human and these feelings are okay. Let's embrace them. And now let's use that power to actually put in positivity and further ourselves. Um, but I think the major thing that just came into my head was um, my mother got, uh, she had the wrong medication for a week early on in her, in her, in her journey. And uh, yeah, and, and this all happened, by the way, when I was 26. So like, I'm not that old when this all started right. happening. Um, and my, you know, my dad is amazing, but he is, you know, he's a lover. He's a, he's a gentle person and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to have to deal with this. And I'm like all emotion, right? Like he's going to sit there and think, and I'm just all this emotion. So we're a great team. Um, but when right. she got, she had this, the wrong medication for a week and we knew something was wrong, but we couldn't quite put our finger on it. And we're trying to trust the doctors and whatnot. And I, we, we had the confidence. We're like, no, this is wrong. We figured out. And the moment we figured it out, we were so angry. Um, and I was proud of myself because I called in the whole medical team that was taking care of her. And I just gave it to them. I was like, this is, you know, not acceptable. This is what's happening. And I stood up for my mom in that way. With this, I mean, she was like in a vegetative state, meaning that she was, you know, not able to do much, but she could like open her eyes. But she could not advocate for herself. And yeah. And I was, I was crying the entire time, but I kept my voice steady and I told them exactly what they needed to say. But I, and as I was standing there, like looking at these medical professionals, just crying, but staying there in my truth and in myself and telling them what I needed to tell them, that was a pretty incredible moment. Absolutely. And it's such a, it could have been a very intimidating moment as well, because you're in front of all Absolutely. you're young and, yeah. you are, and you recognize something that's not quite right. And you're now telling these professionals, you did something that wasn't quite right. You guys aren't paying attention. You know, this could be a problem for you. You know, my mom it was harmful. 
yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it was very harmful. This, yeah, it can really be impacting, but you did it. And so you overcame that fear to advocate for your mother. So good on you because that's such an important message and you were young and you know, your, your dad sounds like a gentle soul and he wants to be really supportive and loving, but sometimes, you know, you have to, you know, like you did, you took the role of, I have to take a stance and tell them that something is seriously wrong here. And so, yeah. And, and he was right there with me. My dad was right there with me and he was, right. he was with me in that way. Right. Um, you know, and we were both so angry uh, right. when this was happening and it was just, yeah, it was a really incredible moment. Um, but just, it doesn't matter how, how young you are. If, if you believe in something and you know it's right and it's the truth, stand in your truth and, and don't be afraid. Or if you are afraid, just push through it. You know, I was terrified. I was shaking. I was crying. And I said, I, you know, I have to, I have to do this for my mom. And my dad was right there with me. And it was, yeah, it was rough, but it was, it was ultimately changing. Right. Very, um, changing for her care. Yes. Great. That is fabulous because that could have been life-changing for your mom too. If she was on appropriate medication, that could have really hurt her long-term. So absolutely good for you. So, you know, thank you for telling us about your documentaries. People can find Life Reflected documentaries on YouTube. Is that correct? Yeah, you can find it on YouTube um, at Life Reflected, or you can go to our, my website, which is reflected.life. Um, and then we have an Instagram, which is uh, life.reflected. And you can find me on Instagram, Juliet.Lamar. And I've got a link tree with everything I'm up to on that as well. Fabulous. Now, last question. What okay. word of wisdom can you leave the listeners with today? You've already imparted so much, but if it was that poor <laughs> idea, what would you leave the listeners with today? Find, you know, find your truth and live in it. And even if you don't think that other people appreciate it, don't judge yourself. Don't judge yourself on anything you do. Like not, not morally, like, oh, you know, don't do things that are wrong. But I'm saying when you have an idea or you have a passion, you know, don't sit there and say, well, what if people don't like it? Well, they'll tell you. Like people are not gonna, <laughs> people are not gonna sit there and, and not tell you if they don't like it. You know, people are pretty open about it. So find your truth in what you're passionate about and then go for it with everything you've got and just have confidence in it and then be tough enough to follow through. Awesome. Thank you, Juliet, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Absolutely. Thank you again. If you'd like to know more about Juliet, please go to her pages on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at corewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together. 